0: Hi, I'm Colleen Nelson, licensed therapist, trauma expert, and fellow badass woman ready to rise up right alongside you. This podcast, Let the Rest Burn, is for the woman who has ignored, attacked, or even silenced her inner voice because she thought it was broken and needed to be fixed. It's for the woman who is ready to rise up and fully step into her desire, her joy, her full power, and make the impact she was destined to make. For the woman who cannot stand one more second waiting, watching, and witnessing the world crumble and is ready to rebuild and expand into a better future. For a woman who is so done trying to fix the world, she decided to start with healing herself and she let the rest burn. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let the Rest Burn. I'm Coco Nelson, and I'm here to talk to you about our third shadow archetype, the people pleaser. I know you all have heard this word before, right? I actually hear people say it with a little bit of pride at times, like, I'm a people pleaser, or my people pleaser does this. It's so fascinating to me how much I think we take pride in some of these shadows, and I get it, right? Like, the word even people pleasing, like, you are here to please people. And as a woman, I've definitely been taught that being a nice girl is a bit of a people pleaser, right? What I need to do in order to get friends, be deemed as kind, be the girl that I was supposed to be, was to make sure everybody around me was happy first. Today, we're going to really distinguish between what it means to be kind and compassionate and care about people in your life and what it actually means to be a people pleaser and why being a people pleaser actually hurts the people in your life so much more than if you just set a boundary and ask for what you need, right? It, it actually doesn't serve the people that you love. So let's just start off with like the definition of what a people pleaser is and where it comes from and why it's here. Okay so a people pleaser is somebody who self abandons in order to make other people comfortable because it makes them so uncomfortable when other people are uncomfortable <laughs> so it's it's self serving in a way but it is really us trying to navigate uncomfortable emotions in our body and by doing so we are using self betrayal and sacrifice to justify our actions, right? So I'm gonna not go to the play because I know that Nancy really wants to go to the play and it's good for Nancy. So I'll just stay home. And I've I noticed how upset Nancy was that she didn't get a ticket to the play. Then you sit at home and you cease in resentment, anger, and frustration at Nancy and your friends for taking Nancy. And then really at the end of the day. Nancy gets to go to the play, but your relationship and your friendship and your experience isn't enhanced. It's it's actually now even more unhealthy. So instead of saying to Nancy that we don't have another ticket for her to go to the concert or whatever, or the play, and deal with the discomfort of disappointing somebody, you believe that the self-sacrifice will actually make you feel better. And for a moment it does, right? For a moment when we give Out of the goodness of our heart, it feels good. But when we give because we don't want to experience discomfort in our body, it's a very different experience. So what the people pleaser really wants is to authentically express your needs and desires without being abandoned by the community, right? That is the desired outcome. That is what we all want to overcome as people pleasers. Be your true authentic self and feel like you have a sense of belonging with the people in your life. But the fear is that if you express your true needs, then it's going to disrupt your day-to-day, your life, the people that you love. And in fact, it's not just going to disrupt them. It's going to make them angry, frustrated, abandon you. And this leads you to denying that you have needs in the first place. Then you feel neglected and overused. You're not able to express your boundaries or talk to anybody or even admit that you need a boundary. I see this as like a constant saying yes to the things you don't want to do, which leaves you in a position of not actually ever saying yes to what you want, right? If With every no that we communicate, we are also saying yes to something. With every yes we communicate, we're also saying no to something. And if that no is consistently you, you are saying no to yourself and what you want You end up in a position where you actually resent and hate being around people because what ends up happening is every time you're around somebody or you want something, you have to go through a level of self-abandonment. This is the most challenging piece of the people pleaser is when people come into my office, when I'm talking to you online and we're talking about the people pleaser, they're like, I know that I do this. I know that I say yes too much. But what happens is when I say no, the feeling in my body is so intense that I don't want to experience it. I, I, I want to override it. So I prefer the feeling of self-sacrifice than the feeling of guilt and shame. I get it. Okay? I get it. But the wave that comes from the guilt and shame is smaller because it's not real. It's not tied to anything bad you did than the wave of resentment and self sacrifice. That is consuming. It's consuming and it consumes you from the inside out. So, where does the people pleaser come from? Why does it develop? Right? So, with all of our archetypes, they start in childhood when we are trying to be human and especially young children. Their survival depends on their caregivers being emotionally, physically okay. And so if it means that they have to self-sacrifice for their caregivers to be okay, they will do it. And they'll do it out of survival. Like It is ingrained in your body. And it almost comes down to this experience of, I know that I could set a boundary or that I should. But the retribution from my caregivers for setting said boundary is so painful, I'd rather not set one at all. And it gets reinforced over and over and over again because people pleasers are usually seen as good kids. They follow the rules. They do what they're told. And it's almost surprising when they lash out because it's like a volcano effect, right? They build and build and build and build. And then they lash out because they're absolutely exhausted and frustrated with all the giving and without getting anything in return, right? This is not an exchange of energy. This is not a, I give something for you, you give something to me and we exchange it. This is a, I'm just going to give because I feel uncomfortable even saying that I need anything in the first place. So if those of you that are listening right now, if you're thinking, okay, Colleen, like I, I get it, I hear you. And my parents never did that. Like they never demanded anything of me or I was a very demanding kid. You know, I want you to think about your, your social circle. I want you to think about the culture you grew up in. I want you to think about the ways that you learned how to be around people. Maybe your caregivers did give you the opportunity to set boundaries and say, no, that's wonderful. But people-pleasing is ingrained in our society, especially for young women. And it is something that we are all trying to break out of like as a as a paradigm shift right? This is most of the shadows that I'm going to be talking about. We are trying to break generational patterns of trauma here. And people-pleasing is right at the top of the list for women. And this is a piece that's going to take some time. So I want you to be gentle on yourself as we get into this and we talk about it because this isn't something that you just overnight change. It takes time within yourself and just within society as well. Okay. So let's get into the four different ways that the people pleaser truly disrupts your life. So number one, this is how it disrupts you and your relationship to yourself. Do you know when people say, like, you have to love yourself in order to be loved, right? The capacity to which you can love yourself is the capacity to which somebody could love you. What happens when the primary relationship we have with ourselves is ignoring dismissal, invalidation, just absolute straight like disdain, how are we going to interact with other people? How are we going to ever actually feel loved or lovable if the way we treat ourselves is so awful? And you might be thinking, but wait a second, like people pleasing isn't treating myself bad. I'm just trying to make other people comfortable. But at what cost? How far will you take it? How would it feel to be in a relationship with someone who every time you expressed a need, they told you it wasn't valid and that someone else's need was more important? Because that's what you're doing to yourself, right? That's the conversation you're having with yourself. And this self-relationship is so limiting, so trapping, so exhausting. And then, and then you get to a place of resentment where it builds up so much in your body and you don't know what to do and it just explodes, And then you get upset with yourself for that behavior. Like, who is this person? Who is this person that just reacted the way that they did or responded the way that they did? This isn't who I am. It's like the the swinging pendulum of the people pleaser. So number one, the people pleaser disrupts your ability to be in relationship with yourself in a healthy way because of the high level of self-sacrifice that comes out. Number two... The people pleaser, when we're looking at how it shows up and interacts in your body, in your pleasure, in your sexual experiences, we're going to keep it mostly to self-pleasure just because I'll talk about relationships here at the end. But people pleasing starts in the body, right? Where we we say, what I feel in my body is not valid. So imagine you're trying to have a Healthy relationship with your body. You're trying to eat right. You're trying to exercise a little bit. You're trying to give yourself pleasure. You're trying to listen to your body, your intuition. But you are stuck in a pattern of tuning into other people's bodies more than your own. What happens is in this abandonment of self, we actually disconnect from the body. And so the body finds ways to get our attention. People-pleasers often have a high level of anxiety, right? They are anxious, nervous. Sometimes they've got ADHD. It's this feeling of not being able to be in your body. And all the shadows step us out of our intuition, our true self, right? Like they step us out of our body. Every single one of them, that's what they do. This one in particular steps us out of our body so that we can feel someone else's. So walking into a room... And you're you over-analyzing or over-focusing on another person's body. Maybe you like it better. Maybe it's something that you desire to have. Maybe you notice that they're going through something emotional. But what happens is you don't have the capacity to then care for your own, right? So you're so focused on this other person that the hard choices we need to make in order to take care of our body, going home alone, when it's the right choice, uh, making sure we're not drinking too much, eating the right food, moving, having exercise, you know, tapping into our energetic body—all of these pieces get neglected because you are in the process of taking care of everybody else's. Especially if you're a mom or a dad, like thinking about how much we tune into our children's bodies and you know what do they need? Are they hungry? Do they need to go to the bathroom? Do they need a hug? Are they feeling sad? Like, what is actually happening inside of our own body? Are we hungry? Are we sad? Do we need a nap? Like, the answer might be all of those, and it's not that we can answer that question with a the ability to to meet our need, but we are able to actually acknowledge it, right? So this is this is the step out of neglecting your body is literally physically putting your hands on your body and feeling what your body is telling you before you tune into someone else's. Anxiety is your body communicating to you. And most of the time, your body is saying that you need to set a boundary. Your body is saying, hey, whatever's going on here needs to change, needs to shift, because we don't like what's happening and if you're not listening, if you're distracted, if you're turning into someone else's that little hint that your body is giving you that that twinge of discomfort when you need to set a boundary, you need to leave, you need to attend to something for yourself, you don't hear, you don't listen, you don't pay attention. So, what happens? Your body ramps it up. It makes it louder and it turns into bigger and bigger anxiety and then we get anxious about the anxiety. So then that turns into panic, right? And then we panic about the panic. That turns into a panic attack. And eventually you ride the wave and come down and you set the boundary because you're in the middle of a panic attack, so you need to leave. And so your body forces you to to do the very thing that it really wanted you to do in the first place, which is set a boundary. So you see how detrimental this can be for your body when you're not actually paying attention. People-pleasing can lead to disordered eating as well. And um, you know, wanting to eat the way that you're supposed to or you should versus what your body actually needs and wants, it it ultimately is so dangerous because it is based on the people in the environment around us, right? If that is If that is our shadow that's running the show, everything we're doing is geared towards that. And that is, I mean, if you're around some toxic people, then the people-pleasing you're doing is also extremely toxic. So this is a very, like, this is a challenging piece to overcome because sometimes it also requires you to leave your environment or to change it up. So people-pleasing and self-pleasure, right? It's almost like you're self-pleasuring in order to appease someone else, right? So whether you're in partnership or whether you think, you think it's the sexy thing to do, I often find people-pleasers are the one- to, like to sext like when they don't want to. Not necessarily that sexting is a bad thing for those that are consenting adults, but it is a problem when you're doing it because you know the other person wants it. You're doing it to please them, to make them happy, not because it's something you also get pleasure from. So I find that that shows up quite a bit in the self-pleasure realm. It's not for you. It's for the enjoyment of somebody else, which is inherently a problem. Okay, let's transition over to work, business, money. I want you to just guess for like a second how you think people-pleasing might mess with your money, right? Like this is, this is a whole thing. This is a whole thing because people-pleasing almost vilifies money and wealth. It vilifies the desire for more, the desire for you to be in overflow. So I oftentimes see people pleasers, when they do get money, when they do have some success, what ends up happening is they give it away. They spend it. They don't feel like they deserve it. They feel guilt and shame when they experience it. So they do everything they can to shift away from it, right? And so it doesn't matter what amount of money they get in their bank account, it's immediately something that they're going to move. Maybe they're going to pay off somebody's debt. Maybe they're going to, you know, have all of these charities they want to give to. But the last thing they're going to do is actually take care of themselves. So, I really I really think that this can get dangerous, right? Because here we are again like in this cycle of wanting to care for people in our life. But without caring for ourselves first, we end up in a position of like extreme neglect and anger and resentment and frustration. And that puts you in a position to overgive. And when you overgive, I think about it like one of the later archetypes is the Scrooge. It's like the people pleaser almost turns into the Scrooge eventually because you just feel so used by the world. And you give and you give and you give and you give. And then when you ask for something, people set a boundary and they say no. And it's with money, especially with family, that can get really, really tough. So if you find these patterns are landing for you as I'm speaking them out loud, if you find yourself saying, oh my goodness, yes, I I do this. I do this with money. I want you to practice the art of holding it. Like it comes into your bank account and you let it sit there for a couple of days, maybe a week, maybe a month, and you don't touch it. This is overflow money, right? Like obviously when money comes in and you need to pay bills, you need to pay bills. But I'm talking about overflow. When you have overflow in your bank account, what's your next step? What's the next thing you do? I want it to be that you just hold it for a second. Don't give it to anybody. Don't spend it on anything. Just hold it for a second. And ask yourself the question over the course of that month, over the course of that day, that week, however long you give yourself, if everybody had everything they needed and wanted, if everybody's needs were met, how would I want to spend that money? And I want you to think about, is is there a way I can actually do this for myself? What would it feel like to go buy that dress you've been looking at for months? What would it feel like to take yourself on a retreat or a trip? What would it take for you to invest that money in yourself and your healing? As scary as it is and as as uncomfortable as it might be, it's extremely rewarding and becomes something that I see people honestly become even more abundant with. You spend that money on yourself in a way that feels like it fills you up and makes you healthier, more money is coming your way. More money is coming your way. This is not, it's not a one-stop shop when that happens, but you spend that money and you feel resentful and angry and frustrated, the universe is going to stop sending you that money, right? It just wants you to feel good about it. That's the point. It's an exchange of good energy. When that energy isn't good, the energy shifts. In business, similar to money, I see people pleasers overgive with their time. And I see this a lot in in the service industry, wellness industry, coaching industry, but like really it shows up when you are in a position with uh, an authority figure, with a team member, with a colleague, and you want them to like you, you want to experience a, a feeling of belonging. And Instead of being your authentic self and finding out what happens and, you know, staying in your integrity, you end up actually giving way too much. And sometimes it feels, it feels like the exchange is definitely unequal, but it also feels like it is, like, we'll over-explain. We will take way too long to make a decision. So it can actually be very frustrating for all our colleagues, our bosses, our employees, our clients, because... If you're not being clear, crystal clear with your boundaries, they don't know how to be crystal clear with theirs. So it sets up the dynamic in a really, really unhealthy way. And this is this is a problem, right? This is where things get tricky in business because you know, if you overgive because you want me to be happy, you expect the same from me. And then if I don't do it, I'm villainized. And then things get nasty. And defensive and frustrating for everybody because you expect that if somebody gives their time and their energy and their attention to a project, to, to you, to something that you are working on, that they're doing it of their own free will. When they imply that they're doing it in order to get a return from you that isn't clearly communicated, then it feels manipulative, right? So do you see how these exchanges can be really unhealthy And this is, I'm just talking about the business relationship, but obviously, this is going to shift into the intimate partner friendship category as well, right? So, this is where I want you to really ask yourself at what cost am I willing to continue the behavior of the people pleaser? At what cost am I willing to put myself in a position where all of these negative effects compound and come at me? and put me in a position that makes me feel so uncomfortable and so unsafe, at what point am I just going to sit with the discomfort and ride the wave to the other side and set that boundary? It's so important to ask yourself this question. And this brings me to this final piece, the relationship, okay? So the relationship is so critical to address with the people pleaser because I find this is where it plays out the most so i firmly believe that women are taught to be people pleasers in relationships right? they're taught to be codependent men are typically taught to be shut down self-serving leaders but not in an actual leadership way you know like in a dismissive way which doesn't give them the option to have any depth or have any capacity to be their full selves either so Women go in as people pleasers, men as go in as takers, givers, and takers, and then everybody feels awful about it. I'm not saying that there aren't men and women who are the opposite. There definitely are and you know, genders and expression, but it is something we learn in our culture early on that people pleasing is a attractive trait for a mate, right? Like if somebody is going to sacrifice everything about themselves in order to make you happy and make you feel loved there's an appeal to that now obviously the way i just said it's not appealing but there is an appeal to somebody giving their all because they love you like i would take a bullet for you type of statements right and i get those statements i would obviously do that for my children but like do i have to right like Do I have to do that every single day? Is have that mentality in my life, or do I actually get to take care of myself and let my love overflow into them? Relationships are more than just you know intimate relationships. They're parenting. They're friendships. They're acquaintanceships. It's it's so dynamic and complex. And I want you to just. Really take a minute and look at your relationships and ask, am I being real? Am I being honest? Am I being upfront about what I need and what I want and how I want it? Because if you're not, if you're not doing that, this is where things will get nasty eventually. You will get resentful and frustrated. You will feel used. You will feel like this person doesn't meet your needs the way that you meet theirs it's so challenging when you enter a relationship pretending you don't have needs, And I, I very much, I firmly believe that the people pleaser in the relationship is ultimately the one who gets the most angry, the most frustrated, the most reactive, because nobody is going to make up for the amount of self-sacrifice that you are engaging in. Right? There's no amount of giving, boundaried, healthy giving, that I can do for you that is gonna make you feel better about your self-sacrifice. So the relationship is doomed. You get into a position where things are just challenging and in no way, shape, or form is it a real relationship. You're just playing out these shadow dynamics with each other. To actually, you know, kick the shadow dynamics and to be real with one another means you both have needs. And you both get to say no, and you both get to say yes, and you both get to communicate those. And how you communicate them is important to evaluate, for sure. But also, let's not go into relationships believing that people-pleasing is in any way, shape, or form healthy for anybody. So it's my challenge to you today to really, really tune in, really ask yourself, do I want to continue the same pattern or do I want to change? And I know it's hard. You cannot do this alone, right? People-pleasing is something that is so ingrained in you, in all of us, that to change it means we've got to have other people's eyes on our choices, our decisions. We've got to have community support and accountability. We also have to dig into kind of the core of why we people-please when we do. If you understand the dynamics behind it, if you dig into the core wounds of your childhood and understand why, it gives you so much power. It gives you the ability to say, this isn't about this moment. This is about me in seventh grade feeling like I'll never have friends unless I adapt to the group's norms, right? So how do I talk to seven-year-old me and make sure that I am taking care of her? What does that look like? And, you know, that's different for everybody. I think a big reason why I do therapeutic groups is because I know these dynamics are hard to change on your own. And I find that the women in my groups change exponentially faster because they know they're going to have to be accountable and they know they have people that get it and that see them for who they are. So yes, maybe they have to set that boundary with mom or they've set their boundary with their friend, but eventually they get... To a place where they feel like it's okay because I have these people over here. I have this community over here that understands and that sees me. And that's everything, right? If we have a place of belonging, we can counteract any shadow that comes at us. It is the fear of not belonging that causes us to self-abandon so often. I'm excited to dive into this with you this month. I will be doing a masterclass this month. How to say no and not hate yourself afterwards is going to be my masterclass. It's going to be free. I'd love for you all to join me. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes here so you could grab your spot. And you know, let's practice. Let's figure this out. I have a amazing formula that walks us through exactly, honestly, how to say no and set a boundary. So. We're going to get into that. I've got a ton of resources on boundaries. I have a mini course. I have a lot of master classes. If you're interested in deep diving in my master classes, I've got a whole vault full of them and it's just $33 to get access. So we will put the link in the bio for that as well in the show notes and you know, let's do this. Let's do this together. Let's take our ownership back of ourselves, of our truth. We don't need to let the shadows rule our lives. And if this resonated with you, please know there is a path. There's a path, but it does start with educating yourself and keeping yourself accountable. So until next time, my dear ones, let's take a breath. Let's come back to our bodies and let's make some change. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single second that you chose to set aside for you and the impact that you're going to have on the world today to be inspired, to be seen and to hold space starts with the very actions we take with ourselves. Look at the show notes for more information, like, and subscribe and share with friends. If you feel inspired to, and as always, let the rest burn.